0: Who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Wednesday, a busy 48 hours ahead of us, particularly on the Biden family investigation. Later today, the House Ways and Means Committee will release documents that it received from multiple IRS whistleblowers who voted out of committee. We're expected to see some of the evidence and some of the theories of the cases that IRS and FBI agents were trying to bring against Hunter Biden and the Biden family going all the way back to the summer of 2020. I think we're going to learn some pretty amazing things, including prosecutors' unwillingness to learn about that FD-1023 form. That was the informant report that Joe Biden may have been involved in a bribery scheme with Ukrainian officials at Burisma. We may also learn about some of the efforts by prosecutors to tell the agents they couldn't take certain normal investigative tactics they would have used for anyone else except for Hunter and Joe Biden. I think we'll learn a lot about that. We'll get calendars and dates and times. We'll be able to compare the testimony of current witnesses against the contemporaneous evidence. And now that will come out later tonight. Ahead of the first impeachment inquiry hearing tomorrow, where James Comer has not only Jonathan Turley, the great legal expert who we've seen in prior impeachments, but also a forensic accountant. And I think that could be the most interesting part of tomorrow's testimony. What a trained forensic accountant, somebody that helps. Build cases or identify risks. What they see when they look at the Hunter Biden portfolio of businesses and financial transactions and SARS suspicious activity reports, all that is going to play out before our very eyes over the next 48 hours. We'll be covering it STEM to term right here on Justin News and John Solomon Reports, and of course the Justin News No Noise television show on Real America's Voice. Now Today, we've got a great lineup. We're going to start with Congressman Austin Scott. He's on the House Intelligence Committee. We're going to probe some of those questions about the Chinese money coming to Hunter Biden at his father's home. That's a pretty big revelation. We learned that yesterday from James Comer. We'll also talk about the Ukraine Russia war, Iran, and all of the other pressing issues that are before us today. In the second block, it's AMAC Wednesday. You know that, AMAC, the Association for Mature American Citizens. Every Wednesday, as one of our valued partners, AMAC sends one of its best and brightest minds and analysts to our show today. We got a good one. Bobby Charles, currently the national spokesman for AMAC. Before that, one of the great congressional investigators, a former clerk on an important federal appeals court, and also Assistant Secretary of State under President Bush. He's going to help us referee all we're learning about Joe Biden. Age, competence, and corruption are all affecting Americans' confidence in the 46th president. And Bobby will put that in perspective, as well as try to help us understand why does Donald Trump keep rising? Indictments, civil rulings, none of them seem to affect America's love for former President Donald Trump. We'll ask Bobby to referee that. And then we'll finish up with an interview we did last night with Mike Davis. He's part of the Article 3 project. One of the former Senate staffers who used to vet judicial nominees for Senator Chuck Grassley, he said some provocative things about the state of the corruption probe, the state of the Biden presidency, following up on what Bobby Charles is likely to talk about. I think we'll have a great conversation there as well. Now, before we go to commercial break, by the way, if you want to take advantage of AMAC and say thank you for supporting John Solomon and John Solomon Reports and Just the News, go to amac.us slash justnews. That's very easy. You're going to get a discount on your AMAC membership, match me on my five-year membership. That's a great deal. And why do I say that? Because within a few weeks, it pays for itself. You start getting discounts. You start saving money like you do with AARP or AAA, except you get a lot more partners and a lot better, I find for myself personally, a lot better company partners for me and the choices that I make. You get discounts. You get a monthly magazine. You get daily intelligence reports. It is an incredible... 360 degree service at your fingertips, politics, discounts, insurance, and good advice from our good friends at AMAC. Go to amac.us slash just news. That's pretty easy to remember. AMAC.us slash just news. Now, before we go to commercial break, I just want to point out one very important story. We have been pursuing this Ballot registration or voter registration fraud case that came out of Muskegon, Michigan, went to the state of Michigan, state police. Even the Democrat attorney general in Michigan says, hey, there was something here. We sent it to the FBI uh, almost three years ago. Nothing's happened. Well, we filed an open records request for the FBI. And guess what? The FBI said, "Nah, nah you can't have it. We're not going to give it to you we consider this still under active investigation. Now, it's pretty hard to argue that three years later, even with a sand clock, it should have gotten done by now. We're probably going to sue next. But all the details on why this is so important, why we're staying on the case, like we did with Russia collusion, like we did with Hunter Biden and the Biden family scandal, there is something here and we need to know. Did the FBI do its job or did it cover up something for political or other reasons? I think our next step is to pursue an appeal and then eventually a lawsuit to try to force these documents into the public domain. We'll keep you abreast on that. But if you go check out Natalia Middlestadt's great story today, the headline is FBI refuses to release documents in probe into possible nationwide voter registration fraud scheme. It lays out all we know about the case, why it's so important. President Trump has said this is an important case. A lot of people looking at this as something about Chairman Style, the head of the House Administration Committee. We're going to have all of that in the days and weeks ahead, including if we sue. We'll let you know. But go check out that story. It's a very important piece of journalism today. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Congressman Austin Scott, a key member of the House Intelligence Committee, up next... Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts. And that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered that scammers forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home and its title. The instant they detect an activity or something suspicious, they mobilize to help shut it down. We won't know a thief took us off our title until it's too late. That's why TitleLock Lock jumps into action right away. The titles to all our homes are easily found online. A criminal or renter, even a family member, can simply forge a signature on a home sale form. Then he or she refiles as the new owner, and bam, your home is not in your name, and all of a sudden debts are being taken All right, folks. Welcome back for the commercial break. We told you that the House Ways and Means Committee would be releasing those documents today from the Hunter Biden investigation. We just got our hands on a few of them. Perhaps the most explosive, James Biden, the brother of President Joe Biden, told the FBI last year in an interview with agents that, yes, his family, including Hunter Biden and James Biden, the brother, tried unsuccessfully to help a Chinese company buy U.S. energy assets, including a liquid natural gas port down in Louisiana. And James Biden made an explosive revelation. He said the co- family believed that the company it was working with, CEFC, and its owner was tied directly to communist Chinese president, Xi Jinping. They knew they were working with somebody tied to the communist government's top leader, the president of China. That just released a few seconds ago. We'll go to Just the News and check it out. We have the perfect guest to walk us through this and so much more. He is one of the most important members of the House Intelligence Committee, always a great interview every time we have him on here, uh, particularly when it comes to security in the world. Uh, joining us right now, Congressman Austin Scott from the great state of Georgia. Congressman, good to have you on the show.
1: Hey, thanks. Thanks for having us, man. And that, um, glad to be back. It's been a while and look forward to talking with you about these issues.
0: You have long, you know, we've had you on before, and you've always been concerned about the Biden family's dealings with these foreign countries, China, Ukraine, Russia, Romania, Kazakhstan, and all of those that we now know are documented by James Comer and, and Jim Jordan and the others. When you hear the president's brother so o- openly talk about to the FBI, yeah, we kind of knew this company we were dealing with. CEFC was tied to the communist president, Xi Jinping. We were trying to help them buy up energy assets in the United States, including a liquid natural gas port in Louisiana. Does it heighten your concern a little bit about what was going
2: on?
1: Um it it does. It's it it just means it's even worse than even I thought it was that they would that they would go that far. Um uh, if you look at some of those ports in Louisiana and I, I don't have a map in front of me, but like Port Fouchon, that area of Louisiana, just a tremendous portion of the energy that we use inside the United States comes comes through uh, those hubs and the idea that you would um, help the Chinese acquire assets in that area to give, you know, an adversary. And again, China is no longer a a competitor. They are an adversary. Uh, The ability to to control the energy supply inside the United States. And you're talking about an adversary controlling the flow of U S energy to American citizens and American industry. I, I don't understand. How much more of a trader you could you could be than to do such a thing?
0: Yeah, and it's also pretty remarkable because obviously this is where I, the family, got paid by CEFC. And of course, the president told us all through the 2020 election, President Joe Biden said, my family never got any money from China. They weren't doing things with China here. His brother lays it out. You know, he's very versant in it. he talks about the meeting he had. He tried to help the Chinese company owner get their children into American schools. There was a very clear relationship between China and the Biden family, when President Joe Biden gave that answer during his final job interviews with the American public during the debates, he was misleading us about the nature of his relationship with the family. How important does that become as he runs for reelection now in 2024?
1: Oh, it, it, it will be a huge issue if the if if you know if news if the, if the mainstream news agencies will report it. Um, it, it it'll be a huge issue in, in the in the election. It will be a big issue. The border will be a big issue. I I, again, John. The thing that baffles me about, you know, what happens with the media. Can Can you imagine if, if, if someone with the last name of Trump had even known that such a purchase was being planned, uh, much less participated in it? You know, the the outcry and the and and the difference in the amount of coverage that would be going on right now. I mean, you got a, you've got someone testifying to the FBI. I haven't seen the report. I'm pretty, it would have been under oath if they're being interviewed by the FBI. Um, I, w- I would assume that they were doing this.
0: It also gives you a sense, I think, why these IRS whistleblowers were so concerned that so much of this was getting sweeped under the rug.
1: And, hey, hey John, the, the American citizens, we, we have to stop blaming the Chinese for, for, for being smart about about what they're trying to do to us. It, we we have to blame our our elected officials for not being smart enough to stop it. And, and corporate America has played a big role in that. I mean, corporate America shifting the manufacturing base out of this country to China has hurt us and, and it's given them leverage over our economy. And, and if you look, you know, again, we talk about the, the rare earth minerals and the, and the batteries and, and other things that are going to have to be purchased to, to, do what Joe Biden and the Democrats did, and I think it was every single Democrat that voted for it. If if any of them voted against it, it would have only been one or two. And, you, you know, in in, the, in this battery operated vehicle, not technically a mandate, but almost a mandate uh, that they're pushing down the throats of the American citizens.
0: Yeah, now you're right. Those workers in Michigan that are striking right now. One big part of the dynamic is the fact that Joe Biden has pushed. The auto industry into the EV world, which is going to send their jobs in the Americans' reliance to China instead of on the great assembly work workers in in Michigan.
1: Yeah, and they've lost billions because of it.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they've already lost billions, right? And on the past, in fact, they're putting on hold one of the projects because they say it may not even be sustainable. Ford, I think, did that yesterday.
1: I'm, I'm glad they did. That was the that was the partnership with CACL technology. And and if you'll remember, we put the amendment in the. NDAA that said the Defense Department could not purchase that technology, and then we, we actually expanded it and listed some additional Chinese battery manufacturers that where where we were pushing where the Defense Department could not purchase you know the, the Chinese battery technology, and so hopefully Ford's not hopefully Ford's committed to stopping their partnership with uh, Chinese battery technology companies.
0: It seems like they are. They're certainly reevaluating at this very critical moment in the U.S. industry's evolution. And of course, on the world stage, there's so much more playing out. You have been a cogent voice for American security for a long time and a common sense voice. And I think a lot of people look at this now and say what we thought it was in 19 and what it is today, it looks a lot worse. Does the House Intelligence Committee play some role now in vetting some of these deals and trying to determine If any national security was jeopardized, obviously, Hunter Biden's living at a home where Joe Biden had some classified documents for a period of time, not suggesting anything bad happened. But clearly, there are real issues of security and maybe even a damage assessment. Is the House Intelligence Committee going to play a role in vetting out some of this foreign contact as we see how extensive it was?
1: So so let me let me answer that question like this, because, you know, that we don't talk about what happens in that committee much we're not supposed to the democrats under nancy pelosi politicized um, Hipsy, the house intelligence committee and used it to go after uh, president trump and the trump family with you know the russia hoax and all that stuff and if, if you remember uh, what was happening there is you had a, a chair of the committee appointed by nancy pelosi that would go behind those doors in the classified meetings, and then he would come out and he would immediately walk up to the microphone and, and talk, you know, an abstract and and lead people to believe that Trump had d- done something that he had not done. Uh, Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House, and Hakeem Jeffries, and so I want to give him credit for this as well, both came and met with us at the first meeting and made it very clear that this was not a political committee and this committee was not to engage in in political activities the way it had done in the previous under the previous speaker of the House. So I, I John, I do not expect that the Intelligence Committee um, will do that. Now, I'm not the chair of the committee. I'm not the chair of the committee, but I do not expect that the Intelligence Committee We'll, we'll do this. That committee has got to be able to function in a non partisan manner. And if we bring that in there, I'm afraid it would divide
0: the committee. Yeah, no, I understand. Let me pivot to something that I know the committee has to be looking at, and that is the war by Russia against Ukraine. Can you give us a sense of what you as a member of the committee sees as the Current slate of the war. It seems as though we're in a long slog. Both sides losing, losing a lot of lives and and property and expending a lot of, of money and military resources. Is it still a standoff? What are some of the dynamics you see at this very moment?
1: Yeah. So, so I'll I'll speak to it more from a. Uh, I see more of it on on Hask, and um, I'll, I'll I'll speak more to it from a just a Hask standpoint, an American citizen, uh, and 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 what I see. Uh, we have provided a tremendous amount of weapons and and you know the money to operate those weapons, um, fuel, money for fuel, money for uh, to supply you know their troops. They've done a tremendous job with it. Uh, we have heard the American citizens loud and clear that they want an inspector general. We do have inspector generals over there now, making sure that um, that that everything that we do is accounted for. I have uh, made this, you know, very clear in that this this cannot be the U.S. and Ukraine uh, versus Russia. This has got to be a global effort to help to help a sovereign country, uh, in this case Ukraine, defend itself from an authoritarian country in this in this case Russia. And <clears throat> the reason it's so important, John. Is because if we had not done this here at Ukraine, it was not going to stop until um, somebody had the, had the will to fight and, and somebody was willing to give them the weapons. So, so I, I do not to, to defend themselves against someone like Russia. So I, I don't. I, I think that the Ukrainians uh, owe us the the accounting of, of where everything is gone. I think that. Uh, um, I'm hopeful that General Brown will will speak to these issues now that he has been confirmed and he could have been confirmed weeks ago. They blame that on tub- Tommy Tuberville. But, um, you know, uh, and I disagree with the way Tommy Tupperville has done this. I like him. I, I just I disagree with what he's done. But the fact of the matter is Chuck Schumer could have confirmed uh, General Brown months ago and he chose to make the political spectacle of this. Um but, but we, we owe it to the American citizens because it is their tax money to tell them, you know, what we are doing, uh, w- what our role is in this, what other countries are doing in this. And then I think that we have to have, you know, a pretty objective assessment of, of what we're not doing right. And I will tell you that I think that we have allowed too many loopholes in the sanctions against Russia – um this this allowing russia to to get uh their stuff out and keep their economy afloat and so and so the sanctions against Russia have not been strong enough from the administration and that 's one that is the aspect that i think we 've done that we 've done wrong it 's on the sanction aspect of it and and not not working with with the rest of the world to um to make sure that they pay price economically for what they've done.
0: Yeah. There's so many cutouts, right? With India and all these other deals that Russia's still banking a lot of bank, even though we, you know, we brag.
1: That's right. But, but Russia's got a problem because while they and China, um, you know, while they shake hands and they glad hands, um, on the TV, neither one of those countries trust the other one. And so, um, you know if russia allows its military to get too weak you know they they're just not going to do that i don't i don't believe I I don't believe.
0: I think you're right. It is an amazing dynamic to watch and the common sense that you have always held on this issue. I think a lot of people realize now what's at stake. And I think that education process has been so important. I want to turn to the issue at hand. Obviously, we're a couple of days away from maybe having a government shutdown. What is the state of play? What's going on behind the scenes? Do you have any optimism a shutdown could be avoided or are we headed into one?
1: Yeah, so so John, let let me... You know, we we have about a five seat margin as Republicans. Last week, you know, Steve Scalise has got cancer, so he was out. Uh, Frank Lucas uh, had a uh, broken uh, pelvis, so he had he he was out. So we've got a five seat margin. We we're missing a few votes because of of health related issues, and you know, the the fact of the matter is, 210 Democrats voted with five Republicans to stop appropriation bills from coming to the floor. And so it, 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 it gets portrayed as if, you know, the Republicans didn't do this, the Republicans didn't do that. But the fact of the matter is, you know, Hakeem Jeffries has got has got his people locked down and, and if and if Jeffries told his people they can vote their convictions on the procedural votes, as he did on the debt limit, if you remember, John, I mean, as he did on the debt limit, um, as soon as he releases their people, then, then I think this madness would stop. Well, what, what they're doing, though, what they want is to continue a $2 trillion deficit. So since Biden was sworn in, if you go to the date that he was sworn in to today, there's been about a $5.3 trillion deficit. So that's about $2 trillion. You're, you're, you're looking at a, at a $2 trillion a year pace. So you got a $2 trillion deficit. We're not at war. We're not in a recession, and we're not in the middle of a health emergency. And we've had higher tax revenues than we've ever had in the history of the country. And if you, if you listen to what the, the Democrats say, they said it on the floor last night, I heard it repeatedly, that the only reason we have a deficit is because of the tax cuts that the Republicans passed under President Trump. We had more tax revenue than we've ever had in the history of the country, John, after those tax cuts were passed. And and now those tax cuts are going to expire in 2025, um, and so the next election to me, it, it, you know, it's about the economy. How do you how do you keep the economy growing? Well, well, they're running a two trillion dollar deficit when there's literally no reason to run the deficit, and now we've got 33 trillion in debt, and the interest rate on that debt it's no longer two and a half percent. Now it's five percent. Um, and so it's actually more than that and and so from a cash- from a cash flow standpoint, and you're about to start seeing this in the in the economy, I'm surprised you haven't seen it more already but if you're if you're a business owner when when you go to you know most business owners, you don't have long term financing now if you're a big company, you know maybe you can go to the bond market and issue long term bonds but those those are for blue chip companies if you're a small and mid sized business, you're borrowing your your money. You, you maybe you have a ten-year note, maybe, maybe maybe you have it fixed for five on a ten-year note. But you know, let's just be honest. Most business owners don't have long-term fixed-rate financing, and as those as those rates change, it creates cash flow challenges, and um, and and those things will be reflected inside. Uh, our economy and and if you look at the amount of credit card debt that you've got now, if you look at the amount of people that are making emergency withdrawals from retirement plans, if you look at uh, several of those indicators, you've got to believe that 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 time is here where you where you start to see you know the fall offs in, in the economy and therefore you'll see a fall off in in federal revenue and at the same time, uh, you know John, my son. Uh, he's just out of college and he works at a nursing home, and and he told me that CMS had just proposed a new rule that's basically going to make them uh, double the staff at the nursing home. Now that sounds like a good thing uh, that you're going to have more nurses in the nursing home, but there's not going to be an increase in reimbursement to go with it. Well, guess what you're going to do? You're going to shut the nursing home down. I, I, I mean, because 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 they're 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 pushing rules that are are going to force companies to be cash flow negative um, especially in this case where it's actually a, you know in, in their case it, it would be a, a CMS reimbursement uh, but if you if you if you double the the nurses that are required then that input cost goes up and if there's not a corresponding revenue increase then then you're upside down and and it's like nobody in the Biden administration, Un- understands
0: business. No, yeah, you're right. One, one plus one doesn't equal two with it. They have such an odd way of conducting math. And also the idea that things don't get bad. All this inflation gets passed on to the consumer and they're trying to sell a Bidenomics, but people who feel Bidenomics are not a big fan. And I don't understand the messaging right now. Over the next couple of days, so I know you're very busy. I want to get you back to work. But over the next couple of days, what are the most important dynamics that we should be watching for as we try to figure out how Congress will end on this with the budget discussions.
1: So I'll tell you what I suggested uh, as a Republican who wants border security and recognizing that there's, you know, shutting down the government doesn't help anybody. Uh, We certainly lose on it politically. Um, I I suggest, John, that we should do a 30-day continuing resolution with H.R. 2, the border security measures in it, there's only so far you can cut the budget in 30 days anyway and that's a that's a solid position I mean eighty percent of Americans want to keep the government open and eighty percent of Americans want border security you've got you've got mayors of some of the largest sanctuary cities in the country today screaming that they need border security that they can't pay for the cost of illegal immigration uh, out of their budget you've got American citizens being pushed aside from their um, Housing to make to make way for people who are illegally in the country. I, I think 80% of Americans would agree to a continuing resolution with uh, HR2 strict border security that stops this flow of illegal immigration into the country. And so, you know, the argument from what I would say are hardliners is is they will they want budget cuts now. Well, my argument is you're only going to cut it so far over the course of 30 days anyway. So, if we spend ten billion dollars more over that thirty days, but we get a border security bill that stops the flow of illegal immigration, that's a good trade um, in in anybody's definition. And, and I think eighty percent of Americans would accept that border security for for a thirty-day continuing resolution as con- as we continue to work
0: on um, you, you know the appropriation measures. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, we'll be watching closely on all these developments. Impeachment hearing tomorrow, lots of developments in Russia and Ukraine, and of course, the budget at this historic time. And it's kind of interesting. So I would want to ask this real quickly. Even with all the things that are going on, the 8% cut in res- spending is unlike anything we've seen in 25, 30 years of American history. That in itself is an amazing achievement. Do you think those who are holding out appreciate how much savings that even in this temporary deal are being leveraged?
1: Some of that will be put back. But the the fact of the matter is, you you know, we cannot ignore the deficit. We cannot ignore the debt. Uh, We do it at the peril of of the next generation. Um, I personally believe that I believe in continual strides in the right direction. Uh, Unfortunately, the Dems spent $3 trillion in the, you know, without a single Republican vote, the 24 months before we took the House back. Um, Some, you know, we'll end up somewhere between where we are and, and where that cut is. Um, the, the problem I have with kind of the way we're doing it, John, and and this is just someone who's been in government a long time. If we just cut the budget number, what the Biden administration is going to do is he'll plus up funding for things that are important to them, like some social agenda and they're an agenda driven, it's an agenda driven agency. So they'll plus up the money for their agendas and they would cut the money for the missions. And so I think it would be wiser for us to uh, argue more about what we're spending money on that we shouldn't be spending money on and specifically eliminating those things than it is to uh, focus so much on, on the top-line number. Not all government spending is bad is the way I would put it, but there are a lot, there's a lot of it that is. So let's focus on getting rid of the bad And and let's be very specific about what we're getting rid of. And let's make sure that the American citizens know that that we're trying to cut the budget in a responsible manner. But when we go into a shutdown, I promise you, he's going to make it as painful as possible on the American citizens. And, you know, again, I mean, President Trump, we had the same shutdown. You know, he kept parks open. He did his best to make it as painless as possible for the American citizens. And, And this president will bring as much pain as they can to him. Yeah.
0: Bad politics, but it's probably what's ahead of us in the near future. Sir, what a great honor to have you on. I know our audience loves having you on every time we get the straight talk and the straight scoop of what's really going on in this town. Great honor to have you on today. I appreciate you, John. You too, sir. Thank you so much. All right, folks, don't go anywhere when we come back from the commercial break. A long and meaningful interview with Bobby Charles, national spokesman for AMAC, former congressional investigator and assistant secretary of state on the state of the Biden presidency right after this. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Text just news to 989898 98 98 right now. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way And Feeling better and suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down and my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. All right, folks, welcome back. It's Wednesday, so it's AMAC Wednesday, one of my exciting times of the week where we get a great discussion about the big things going on in Washington, the big things going on in the country. There is so much happening between Joe Biden and his decline in the polls and Donald Trump And his rise in the polls, especially on the eve of this, the second Republican presidential debate, I thought it'd be fun to bring in my buddy, Bobby Charles. He always has some insights into not only the historical context, but also just the dynamics that voters are feeling right now in a bad economy with a president with a scandal who seems a little feeble, even needs physical therapy to walk up and down stairs. Let's bring Bobby in and give us our best assessment of what's going on. Bobby, great to have you back on the show. Great to be here, John. Always, of course. I love it when we get a chance to kind of pull the jet up to 30,000 feet and kind of get a feeling of what's really going on in the country. We've had all these major developments on the scandal front, on the economy front, on Joe Biden's personal capabilities, which many people feel are declining by the day. What is going on with Joe Biden? It seems like he is in a rut unlike any president I've seen in modern history.
3: Well, I think you're right, John. You know, in this country, we don't have the British system or the parliamentary system that allows a vote of no confidence. You know, you can you can toss if you're in Great Britain, you can toss a prime minister out on a vote of no confidence. We don't have that over here. And so we're sort of stuck with uh, the car we've got until uh, we can get a new one. And and unfortunately, this one uh, is sort of uh, puttering down to nothing. I mean, I I look at this and I would say right now, if you if you look at Joe Biden in the context, you you, you sort of do one of those pictures of, you know, here's where we are now and here's where we want to be. This is a guy that is really coming around the corner facing a trifecta of, of really bad things. A bad economy is coming at him because why? Because he shut down big chunks of the energy sector, which raised as this winter comes on, it will again raise dramatically the prices of uh, of just heating oil, which uh, I'm in Maine and New England is gonna be shellacked by the price rises in gasoline and in, in heating oil, et cetera. His international policies have done us no good whatsoever in terms of lightening that load. In fact, he's drained our strategic petroleum reserve again Uh, At a point in trying to knock down the inflation rate, which is being driven up in part by that energy shutdown. It's also the inflation rate also reflects and the Fed itself has said this, any economist worth their salt has said that the overspending, the fiscal just overreached just eight and ten trillion dollars of spending that we don't have on things we don't need has driven the price of average, an average person's grocery, grocery bills, just the ability to function through the roof. And then you've got, of course, not only are the interest rates at a 22-year high, but they're, they're higher actually, John. Uh, they're expected to go potentially even higher. And so y- what you've got is this sort of, this sort of lineup for massive stagflation, uh, which is a, a slowing down of the economy. We also had a, an unemployment rate that was, I think, uh, the worst since February of 2020. 22, you're seeing a dramatic setup for a very bad economy. So that's the first of the trifecta. The second is this scandal, and the scandal is not going to go away because it's not an everyday scandal. It's a, it's, a, it's a sort of in living color before our very eyes. It is federal bribery charges playing out but not being brought uh, by Merrick Garland, who I had a piece on AMAC.us this week strongly suggesting that in the context of past attorneys general, like uh, like FDR's attorney general, um, this really this attorney general is just a disgrace. He's 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 a demagogue and he's covering the ball for Joe Biden. Well, the second big piece of the trifecta is that you've got a scandal that isn't going to go away. It's at the opening end of a cone. It's going to get worse relative to federal bribery, relative to RICO, relative to potentially Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. And all of this stuff, It just it's like trying to hide a candle under a basket. It's not going to go away. And the third big one is his health. And that one's not going to go away either. It's not like he, we're going to wake up tomorrow morning and find out that we've got Rocky instead of Joe Biden. No, he's, he's in bad shape and he's getting worse. And even you know, thoughtful Democrats who are aware, even even Democrats that tolerate Feinstein and Fetterman and all that nonsense know that this is a, a physical health problem that is a mental health problem that is going to get worse. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is the trifecta out there against Biden is pretty substantial. Does it mean that he falls away as a candidate? I don't know. But it does mean that I think the American people are getting sick and tired of him. The second big piece, of course, is Trump. Uh, Trump rising in the polls. Now, we'll have a great debate tonight. We have some, an unbelievably deep bench. Thank God there are good Republicans, good Americans who are willing to step up and defend their country and believe enough in their country that when the going gets tough, then you, there's a knock on your door and you need to get going. You need to get out there. And it's true in school boards and it's true everywhere in America. America AMAC has literally 2 million uh, volunteers nationwide that get involved in just trying to help their own communities, help their own states, help their own country, help their country to get back on its feet. And I think many people, just to close it out, going up and down the eastern seaboard this last week, I'll tell you, John, what I hear is that people see and feel that Donald Trump is standing in for them. They see him as the only thing between them and an abusive government. And they see, you know, when there are are attempts to shut him down and his First Amendment rights and and invade his home with Fourth Amendment rights, and he he isn't caving, he's standing up for it. They see, regardless of his other liabilities, they see him, in many ways, as themselves. They They see that here's a guy that is taking the, taking it on the chin and just keeps coming back and will not allow an abusive federal government to take him down. So, you know, what the outcome of all this is, I don't know, but I think that the dynamics of it, the optics, the feeling, the rumble in the rails is that people are tired of Biden. They want something new. They remember that there was a time not so long ago when the economy was doing well, when the scandals, whatever they were, were at a modest level and when they had healthy presidents all the way back for quite a while. And so, you know, they want that again. And I think that's what we're seeing and hearing and feeling.
0: I'm fascinated by the request for a gag order in the Jack Smith case. It's unusual for any defendant, but particularly a defendant running for president who obviously has the need to defend himself from these allegations that he believes are unfair. Why do you think they have made this extraordinary request and where do you think the courts will come down on it?
3: Well, you know, since the last time we talked, John, that I've gone back into the case law and I went back into the, the the request and looked at some of the stories around the request. And I have been asking myself really the same question. Why would a prosecutor so boldly? I mean, we know as a matter of sort of objective fact that it will interfere with the presidential election. We know that they've set up a briefing schedule on these cases that seems to match the primary schedule, and you can draw the inferences you want to draw from that. But the gag order is something special, and the reason it's so unusual is that we have very concrete laws that say prior restraint, uh, which is to say you're going to block what someone has to say Ahead of their saying it, and have the government do the blocking of your voice—that is just the rarest of rare situations. It would—it would be a, a situation in which you're trying to block the release of a national security secret, or you—but but none of those rationales match here. And you can go back to the, really the seminal cases, 1969 Brandenburg, and and anybody can look it up online. You'll, you'll see that prior restraint is just—it's a foreboding uh, act. You don't do it. And so why? In the midst of two lawsuits which have questionable, serious questionable constitutional issues, both First Amendment and Fourth Amendment, and our election interference sort of objectively, why go the next step and ask for the courts to shut down the voice of this candidate, uh, particularly on the topic? And you can read that why he asked for, for, the, for the gag order. He asked for it because he said he's afraid that the defendant will disparage the process that's his primary reason and Jerry pools are so what does that tell you it tells you that in a head-to-head confrontation in the public domain on a on an issue of public concern that he, Jack Smith is afraid that the credibility of Donald Trump is higher than the credibility of the, of the justice, this Justice Department and him as a prosecutor. Because t- typically, if you had a, let's take your worst possible defendant, you take a, an Al Capone and you say, you know what, go ahead, speak your head off. It doesn't matter. We, we are the government and we're going to bring you down and anything you say will be used against you. Or you take someone who's a former, you know, you take John Mitchell, the former attorney general for, for Richard Nixon who spent 19 years, uh, 19, months in prison for uh, for um, a cover-up, you know, you say, go ahead, speak to the press, talk to anybody you want. Because And typically, a lawyer will tell the defendant, don't say anything, because your credibility won't match and certainly won't supersede that of the prosecutor. I think this prosecutor is afraid. I think this Justice Department is afraid of the credibility, of the strength of the voice, of the of the, the plainness of the facts as reiterated by a defendant who feels he's not just being prosecuted, but persecuted. And again, this comes back to my prior comment. A lot of Americans feel that the government overreach is just is just getting out of control. Pick, pick your issue. It could be the climate hysteria and shutting down our stoves, our refrigerators, our lawnmowers and our cars. It could be the way that they've intruded on constitutional protections. It could be overregulation. It could be giving away money that, that none of us have to give away. But their feeling is that the government, the large federal government has lost any sense of accountability. And then you telescope that into this case and Donald Trump and then. Donald Trump is one of the rare people who's willing to step up, as are some of these other Republicans, but is willing to step up and say, no, this is really out of line. This is this is I'm going to disparage the system because the system needs to work the way the system was intended by the Constitution to work. It does not need to be abused by a prosecutor and by an attorney general who have a political agenda and are being given the nod by a party and a president that uh, that don't respect my due process rights or or my First Amendment right to speak or my Fourth Amendment right to be safe in my homes and papers. So I feel like this gag order is actually quite revealing. This request for a gag order to me reveals weakness. It reveals a, a fear that, that, that there is a, a clarity of thinking that has attached to many Americans that relate to what Donald Trump is saying about government overreach.
0: It's an amazing time in the debate as well. The polling is changing so quickly with Biden going down, Trump going up, the indictments and the rulings keep coming in the Biden case, all of them from Democratic administrations, either uh, local or federal prosecutors controlled by a Democratic leader. And the American people seem to be suggesting with their shift in support that they're repudiating these indictments. Normally someone gets indicted, there's a serious amount of concern in the public that, hey, this person maybe isn't worthy of political office anymore. But that's not the case right now. Here, it seems as though Americans have made some deduction that these wave of prosecutions against Donald Trump, by the way, all in the startup to the election, are something different than the normal administration of justice. Have Americans sort of made a decision internally in their mind that something doesn't feel right about all these prosecutions? Well, you know, let me unpack that, John.
3: You you use the word deduction, and I think that's a great word. It's one that some of the younger generation, maybe not taught logic, don't know, but to deduce something from fact is really significant. And I think what you're describing is exactly right. Americans, we don't all have great big educations. We don't all live in big places and work in big jobs, but we have good common sense. We we can look at something and tend to understand it and we, we at least most of us have a sense of what critical thinking is about. These indictments, not to unpack them all in turn, but you know, the the ones in the one in New York and the one in, in Georgia are clearly brought by people who ran for office on the on the notion that they hated an individual American citizen who had been a president, and they wanted to find a way to use the criminal system, the criminal justice system, to attack him and bring him down. And they are doing that now. The Jack Smith ones are, the two of them, are really spurious. I mean, it's hard to, it's really hard to put credibility around them, or to put it differently, if it's on a 50-50 look, most people are going to say, if they know anything about the law, are going to say, no, this really looks political. I mean, the one where you're going to basically say that he's trying to defraud America, uh, it just doesn't hold up at all. If you go back and look at case law and First Amendment, you, you can't infer criminal acts from a political speech or every political speaker in the history of the country would have something inferred against them over time if anything broke out afterwards. And the second big one is this notion you go into somebody's home and you use a general warrant, which even back to Common law and to coke and to Montesquieu, no people don 't use general warrants that's it 's illegal and that 's why we have a fourth amendment that 's by the way, after our Fourth Amendment was adopted here. the British adopted it back there because we don 't want the government to become wrestling around in our <laughs> in our undergarments in order to find things that they want to find and, and indict us on what they want to indict us on so that 's the bigger piece, but there there is a sub piece to this, and I think Interestingly enough, the other part I want to unpack about your question is the word Americans. A lot of conservatives have looked at this because we're constitutionalists and because we thought that the policies that Donald Trump brought to the table were good policies, that they they actually helped the country in really significant ways. We also heard the hysteria in the press and the hysteria in what I'll call kind of a, I don't know, a broad, invested government class of elites. And they all didn't like this man because he was taking apart. He was turning over stones. He was and you can getting light in the places that we hadn't had light in decades. So they didn't like that. And all of that really did resonate with conservatives who thought the way Ronald Reagan thought that government should be limited, the way our founders thought that government should be limited, that that you know, lower taxes and smaller government and a strong defense were the primary things that, that a good representative of me in the in the federal environment would, would be working on. I and mean, that would include a president. But the Americans that are turning now are not just conservatives. The moderates in the republican party the moderates in the democrat party the 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 moderates that describe themselves as independents are all looking at these indictments and saying because this is what the polls are showing us and by the way minorities hispanics and by the way women including suburban women they're saying you know this just doesn't sit right by me this notion that you're going to use my federal government my federal tax dollars all the power and the coercion and the threats and the intimidation of a federal government, which our founding fathers said, if it grows to be big, is going to be a big problem. Well, all of that coming down now on one man really sits poorly with people. And I will say that there has been, there has been, we all feel it, we all see it in our own communities, a great disconnect. The great disconnect is being bridged now in a rather unlikely way by Donald Trump. Well, really, by this administration, this Justice Department and this White House coming after one man with all their cannons, with all their guns. And it, it just sits very poorly with Americans. And ironically, it's closing the great disconnect by making people feel that this guy and other Republicans who speak up for, for the injustices that he is confronting really represent them better than the federal government that's going after him.
0: All right, folks, don't go anywhere. More of our exclusive interview with Bobby Charles right after these messages. who shares your love for our great nation? Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from Amac. Join today at amac.us/justnews. That's amac.us/justnews, and extend the invitation to a friend or a family member for free. What a great opportunity! Folks, Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian-approved meals delivered right to your door. And use the promo code JustNews50 to get 50% off. That's uh, the code JustNews50 at Factormeals.com. One more time, Factormeals.com slash JustNews50. Use the JustNews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. All right, folks, welcome back. More of our exclusive video with Bobby Charles. we got a couple minutes left, and I wanted to ask about a revelation yesterday. It's one of the incremental revelations in the impeachment inquiry from James Comer and others, but I think it's a little detail that speaks big volumes. Late yesterday, the House Oversight Committee released information showing that when Hunter Biden got Two checks wires, I should say, from China, from CEFC officials, that's the communist Chinese energy company that Hunter Biden was working with and who partner said Joe Biden was considered to be potentially a 10% partner in. The checks weren't sent to Hunter Biden at his home in California where he had moved They were sent to his father's home. That was the listing address for the wire payments. This from a president who said, my family never got China money. Obviously, we know that's wrong now. But the fact that it was going to his home or his home was the listed recipient for the wire address. What should Americans take from that information, particularly related to the honesty of their president?
3: Well, you have really two issues, don't you? You have the substantive issue, which is that um, it's one more fact that leads to the inference that Joe Biden was directly involved in profiting from. By the way, the federal statutes say you you can violate federal bribery laws doing the things that he did setting up meetings, meeting with people, even if the beneficiary is just a family member. The statute is very clear, but this indicates that Biden himself may have been an intended beneficiary. And that's, of course, corroborated by other uh, texts and other um, data, including bank records that suggest that he has been a beneficiary. But the second big piece is the one that you just you just mentioned John which is that he he is he is being shown and again and again to be untruthful and i guess you know how much of this can you write off to dementia or how much of this can you write off to just forgetting or how much of this can you and i think americans are saying you know what the guy is cogent enough to know what he's saying and what he's saying is 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 being is being contradicted by facts that are incontrovertible so what that really means is that you have a president who's lying to the American people and and I has has been consciously lying to the American people about his knowledge of conversations that he had with his son about the purposes for which he took his son around the world on 15 separate trips and continues to do so Um, and then each of these seems to have had trickle down effects positive, indirect and indirect in terms of generating money for the son through, I mean it now looks like it, I've read numbers now that that relate to some of these documents because some of this money is shadowy that the numbers could go north of 20 million, well north of 20 million and so, you know, all of this is substantively indicting. That is to say, it reinforces the idea that the man was, is a crook and that his, and his son is a crook and that what he's done is he's used his power since being in, the vice president, perhaps even earlier than that, to generate private money for himself. I don't know anybody, it, literally, I do not know anybody in public office who started with less and ended up with more than hundreds of millions of dollars that that, where did it all come from? How do you get get all these houses? I mean, it's really quite remarkable. Um, You know, surely that's not all speaking fees for being a senator. So it all leads to this supposition or this inference that, that this is not a man who has conducted himself in a way that has separated his private finances from his public service, and that's the number one issue. But the number two issue is the idea that when confronted with this, uh did you talk to your son about business deals did you were you a beneficiary of these business deals did this money come to you how did this money get distributed where did it come from how did it get get aligned did you know that this is part of what you were doing when you met with i don't know now dozens of your son's uh directed directed meetings were you sitting beside him when he called and threatened people uh that they needed to pay him money or else uh, or else uh, these are all questions that go to the credibility as they say when you're sitting in front of a jury you know there are questions that go to substance and there are questions that go to credibility and these go to the credibility of the witness as in joe biden
0: yeah now it is it is a, a very critical moment in this investigation because the evidence trail the follow the money evidence trail gets more and more damning by the day. Bobby, you've had this incredible career. You've, you've worked as a, a clerk at one of the most prestigious federal appeals courts in the country. You were one of the most accomplished congressional investigators in modern history. Did so much work for the House Oversight Committee, then served as an assistant secretary of state at the State Department. And now you're the national spokesman for AMAC, our extraordinary partner here at Just the News. And AMAC is such an amazing thing. I was looking the other day, I just got my new copy of the AMAC monthly magazine, which is such an incredible resource and there's this great primer on digital currency and what it is a lot of people hear about it like what is this stuff what how it works and you know what its dangers were and it really reminded me all the resources that i get every day from being an amac member you've been there a while you know every aspect of its power of its value when people join amac what do they get for that very small membership fee
3: you know i i i do this john i do this Not to get rich. I do this because this is the legacy of Ronald Reagan made real in our time. And if you believe in America, just above and beyond the benefits that you get financially, if you believe in America, you know, I used to be a Boy Scout and I believed in America and I believe in America today. And and AMAC is that is that warrior out there in the field 2 million people it's all a reflection of what those people want but those people the membership are driving every single day into their state legislatures to stop bad bills from happening into the federal legislature the federal congress and to try to create goodness there they're messaging they're speaking out they're a part of their communities so the biggest piece is that you're you're saving the country literally for a dollar and a quarter a month um, i mean it 's I think sixteen dollars a year and and it 's unbelievable in that regard, but the second piece of it is that uh, for that price you know less than a dollar fifty a month. Uh, I I, I hear back all the time of people who are getting hundreds of dollars in returns. So if you want to make a simple investment on, because of the relationships that AMAC has worked like other senior organizations, but because of those relationships with vendors around the country, whether it's restaurants, whether it's insurance, whether it's hotels, whether it's other kinds of travel, maybe it's something closer to home. Uh, I had, I was on a radio show the other day and had a guy call in spontaneously and say he made more back on the recovery he got in addition to his insurance insurance on on uh, dental on a dental appointment to pay for his a five-year membership. And I thought, gosh, that's the kind of thing we ought to can and use again and again because that's what people get out of this. So you get very personal benefits that are coming direct to you uh, in the form of uh, the savings that you get on things, and, and, and we need that. I mean, God knows I need it. Uh, I use it. I need it. But, um, but it's also true that you, you're doing something that's far bigger than yourself. And in an era when everybody seems to do things for themselves, just being a member, of AMAC gives you, uh, it, yes, it gives you daily columns by me, by people, connections by people like you, John. I write a column every single day. Uh, today I have one out on the definition of wokeness, where it comes from, where does that word come from, what does it mean. In the magazine I have an article about the, the, the origins and the future of the Second Amendment. Specifically it's not opinions, it's references to law, it's references to case law, it's references to what's happening states across the United States. Uh, you know, the, the magazine the website, the, the the strength of support for the country, the engagement there are plenty of opportunities once you become a member to be a delegate, to to serve to go to conferences um, but, the, but the biggest thing really is that if you just look at this point, pointedly as a as an economic question uh, $16 buys you you know uh, hundreds of dollars back in potential benefits and I, I actually have asked them to break it down and I think the next time we talk maybe I'll have the breakdown of the average savings of somebody from being a member but look in, in an era when we 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 do really collect coupons digitally and we do look – at savings at the gas pump there's no better answer than to be a member of amac
0: it really is amazing value whether it's the daily intelligence that you get with the great columns and analysis that you and other writers do the discounts you get i've said this many times it's the best investment i've made it's already paid for itself multiple times over and every day it gets a little bit better on the roi because i keep making savings i keep getting great intelligence as a reporter that helps guide my next stories and folks if you want to join if you want to match me on my membership and to say thank you for AMAC for all it does to support Just the News. John Solomon reports the podcast, the Just the News No Noise television show. It's very simple. Bobby couldn't make it any simpler. He's created a URL for all of us to go to. It is AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. AMAC U-S slash Just News. You're going to get a discount even on the membership. Going on the five-year plan like I did. It's the best investment. It'll pay for itself in a few weeks when you start getting those discounts when you pull out your card. And for a car rental hotel, wherever you're traveling, you're going to get great discounts. And then you're going to get all the daily benefits of news and analysis, just like what we were talking about here today with Bobby Charles. Bobby, it's a great honor to have you on the show. Our audience loves these conversations and so much to watch for, including tonight at the debate. It's going to be an interesting night for sure.
3: It really is. And I think we, you know, it's easy to to become down in the mouth here and and feel like the country's going in the wrong direction. But it's not only by joining AMAC, but just understanding that hope is actually out there. I mean, we, we, we have the power to fix the future. The future is not written yet. And all these Republican candidates that will speak up tonight and frankly, some of those on the Democrat side know how bad things are. And yet. They, they have an eye on the horizon. And maybe the greatest hope of all, which AMAC really personifies, is that we're not people that are just sitting down and rolling over like, uh, you know, the Chinese population or the old Soviet population. We are standing up, stepping up, and we're going to continue to defend uh, the rights that, that we all believe in and that we know that we need to keep because they were handed off to us.
2: Yeah.
0: Silence and inaction are not an option at this moment in American history. And that's why AMAC is right at the forefront of so many of these important discussions and, and important debates. Bobby, great to have you on. I can't wait to bring you back on next week. We always have some fun stuff. A lot of history is going to play out in the next few days with the first impeachment hearing, some House Ways and Means documents being released today. Going to be a fun week. We'll get you back next week. Sounds great. Thank you, John. Thanks, my friend. All right, folks, when we come back from the commercial break, first, a big thank you to Bobby and all of our good friends at AMAC. Remember, you can go to amac.us slash Just News if you want to join and match me in my five-year membership. All right, when we come back, an interview that Amanda Head and I did last night with our good friend Mike Davis at the Article 3 Project, the state of the Biden presidency in corruption as one of the overarching dark clouds on the 46th present horizon. We'll have that right after these messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. IRS penalty-canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash news. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Across
3: America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at BP.com slash
2: investing in America.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Some breaking news just a few minutes ago. A judge in New York without a trial... Uh, has ruled that President Trump uh, committed fraud when he was building his real estate firm by inflating the values of property. As you know, real estate values are a very fungible thing. Uh, a lot of people concerned about this ruling because there was no trial. This comes prior to the trial, basically the headline before there's even a consideration of the evidence. We've got the perfect first guest to tick, uh, uh, referee this. Mike Davis, the founder and president of Article 3 Project, is joining us right now. Mike, uh, pretty stark ruling that they're going to make this determination before
2: the trial starts, right? Yeah, this is a joke and it's a very bad joke. You have this New York attorney general, Tish James, who had this Democrat judge in New York simply rule that Trump committed civil fraud, no trial, no jury for the non-fraud of Trump paying back sophisticated Wall Street banks in full, with interest. This is Democrat lawfare that's been going on on many different fronts. This is election interference. And these New York appellate courts need to reverse this uh, unconstitutional decision that's going on here. This judge is trying to say that, that Trump is, has to shut down his New York businesses and maybe have a, a, an in, a independent monitor run the uh, Trump Organization. This is nonsense. This is Democrat lawfare. This is Marxism. Mm. Wow.
4: Oh, scary, scary. I, I want to stay up in that part of the world, shift over to New Jersey, uh, the issue with Senator Bob Menendez and alleged bribery for him. Uh, I, I don't mean to be a nihilist or a wet blanket about politics, but I do have... Uh, a working theory that most politicians have engaged in some sort of corruption, maybe not even knowingly. But considering how many politicians we already do know have engaged in these types of schemes, quid pro quo, bribery, whatever you want to call it, why do you think Bob Menendez has been plucked out uh, for recognition?
2: I think uh, the Biden administration wanted to pluck him out because Bob Menendez was the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and he was in the way of the (laughs) Obama-Biden policy of cozying up to Iran. And uh, I I think that's why. Why did they wait? Why did the why did the Biden Justice Department wait until now to bring these charges? And maybe he's guilty as hell. Who knows? But why did they wait till now? And also, if taking bribes from foreign governments is disqualifying and, and should get you thrown in prison, why is President Biden sitting in the White House right now?
0: It's a great question. And just a few minutes ago, James Comer, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, revealed he's gotten a couple of wires showing that money uh, came from Beijing to Hunter Biden at the address of his father in Delaware. Not a surprise because obviously Hunter Biden was living there at the time. Uh, but the idea that Joe Biden is living in the very home where communist Chinese money is flowing in, uh, not a good image heading into 2024 re-election, is it?
2: No, I mean, you have this, what, 50-year-old at the time, now he's a 54-year-old crackhead son who lives with his his father in their house in Delaware, moves in with his father in the White House, and this crackhead son is the bagman for the Biden foreign bribery and corruption scheme. Do you think, does anyone really think... That these foreign entities, these foreign countries are going to be paying 20, 30, maybe 40, 50 million dollars to the Biden family because Hunter Biden is such a genius on geopolitics. Of course, they're they're buying Joe Biden and his influence. Yeah.
4: Yeah, there there have actually been flashes where I've actually felt bad for Hunter Biden because so often it does feel like he has been the bag man for, uh, for his father. Um, speaking of his father, we had Congressman Lee Zeldin on the show uh, a few minutes ago, and we were talking about you know a, a lot of issues with President Biden heading into next year. Cognition, of course, being one, but corruption is another one, and and the comparison between Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, their connections with foreign business dealings, whether it's CEFC connected to the bank wire that James Comer just revealed, or whether it's Ukraine or Romania or Kazakhstan or wherever the case may be. Heading into this election, it seems like that narrative, that culture of corruption with the Biden family is punching through on the left. Do you think that's going to have an impact on President Biden's numbers? Because as of right now, per ABC Washington Post, he's nine points down already.
2: Yeah. And it sounds like the Democrats are ready to throw him overboard. Joe Biden was the Democrats' useful idiot, and he's no longer useful. He's actually a drag on the ticket. So watch the Democrats make big moves to get rid of him. Maybe they bring in Michelle Obama to replace him at the last minute. Who knows, that's the, that's the theory that we keep hearing uh, out there. But look, this guy is corrupt he's compromised, how many wires from how many different foreign governments and entities need to hit every Biden member, family member's bank account except for the five-year-old granddaughter who they don't claim, and they finally claimed under political pressure. He is clearly compromised, and this is clearly having a disastrous effect On the United States foreign policy, does anyone think that Putin would have invaded Ukraine but for the fact that Putin knew that Biden was corrupt and compromised? He did it twice. Putin did it when Obama put VP Biden in charge of Ukraine. Putin took Crimea four years of peace and prosperity under Trump. And now that Biden is back, Putin's trying to take the rest of Ukraine.
0: Mike, I want to ask about tomorrow. The House Ways and Means Committee is going to release some more evidence from those IRS whistleblowers. There was a big spin job a couple of weeks ago. Democrats saying, oh, the FBI says the IRS whistleblowers aren't true. Then you get the transcripts like I did over the weekend. The FBI is actually corroborating everything the IRS whistleblower said, including the fact that the two U.S. attorneys appointed by Joe Biden, Washington, Los Angeles, both turned down the uh, felony charges for tax evasion on Brisma money. How much trouble is Merrick Garland going to face in the weeks ahead? now that all this evidence comes out and basically calls bunk on his own testimony.
2: Well, this impeachment inquiry that the House Republicans are launching against President Biden also needs to include Attorney General Merrick Garland and U.S. Attorney David Weiss and these other U.S. attorneys who have clearly been obstructing justice, lying to federal investigators, the IRS agents uh, obstructing justice to try to protect, to try to cover up for Joe Biden. And that's exactly what they've done here. Those are impeachable offenses, and those need to be included in the House Republicans impeachment inquiry. Yeah, no doubt.
4: Amazing. Mike, we just got a minute left. We have watched the morphing of the Ukraine narrative with Joe Biden. It went from I didn't I didn't have any idea about it. I didn't talk to my son about it. Well, I wasn't involved in it. Well, it didn't affect state policy. And we are starting to learn that that it possibly did. And you look at that tracking with Uh, The billions of dollars that Americans have given Ukraine, hypothetically speaking, if there's a connection between the two of those, between Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's business dealings and the money now going to Ukraine, are the American people paying to cover up Joe Biden's corruption?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, we would not like we talked about, we would not be in this war, uh, this this proxy war with Russia and spent, what, 200 billion dollars and running that 10 million dollar bribe from Burisma to Joe Biden and Hunter Biden has uh, really paid off for Ukraine because we are on the hook for all this money. This would not be the case if President Biden weren't corrupt and compromised.
0: All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News. A big thank you to Congressman Austin Scott, to Bobby Charles, and of course, to Mike Davis for three very vibrant conversations about the state of our country, the state of the presidency, the state of the economy. A lot to take home with you tonight. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. In the meantime, do me a favor. Go say thank you to AMAC, the Association for Mature American Citizens by very simply joining like I did. Take a five-year membership, get the discount at amac.us slash justnews, amac.us slash justnews. Go check them out today. They are amazing partners and sponsors for all that we do at Just the News, John Solomon Reports, Just the News, No Noise, the television show on Real America's Voice. Say thank you to them and say thank you to yourself. Reward yourself because you're going to get quite a bit of benefit by becoming an AMAC member. Discounts, great news products, A great podcast, a great magazine, and an opportunity to engage in civic duty in America through AMAC Action, its action arm, really an opportunity to become a election watcher or talk to lawmakers in Congress, your state legislature, even in city halls, to get your voice heard and to get common sense back in government. AMAC.us slash Just News is where you get started on that great partnership. All right, we'll be back with more tomorrow, including what the House Ways and Means Committee puts out in those explosive new documents and the impeachment inquiry's first hearing tomorrow. All that on the Thursday edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Justin News. Until then, God bless and have a great night. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out.